0: Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio.
1: You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. You can find me several ways, either through my LA Talk Radio show page, which is latalkradio.com, All Things Therapy, or through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. And I'd love for you to reach out to me as my listener to know topics you'd like me to explore, guests you'd like me to interview, or if you're interested in being a guest on my show, you can email me that way or call to schedule sessions in person in either Los Angeles or New Orleans. I do phone, FaceTime, and Skype sessions with clients all over the world. So please reach out. I'd really love that. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play. It really helps my ratings and metrics. If you actually rate the show as well, I really appreciate that. And if you like what you've been hearing, I invite you to support my work through the crowdfunding campaign I have through Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. They offer a platform for podcasters and authors and artists to be supported by our listeners and people that support us so we can keep doing what we love. Today, my show is sponsored by Audible. They offer over 180,000 book titles to choose from. And as my listener, they offer you a free month subscription and audiobook download of your choice. You can check that out. At audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. My guest today is really interesting. In moments, we're going to be hearing from Jean Dangler, PhD. She is professor and chair of the Department of Spanish and Portuguese in the School of Liberal Arts at Tulane University. Her research has been presented. She's presented her research at national and international conferences. She contributes year-round scholarly publications on the topics of her research interests, which include the history of the body, feminism, gender, Jewish, Christian, and Muslim studies in medieval Iberia, which we're going to hear more about. Medieval Iberia are the regions that are now modern-day Spain and Portugal, So today we are talking about her book, one of three that she has authored and published, titled Mediating Fictions, Literature, Women Healers, and the Go-Between in Medieval and Early Modern Iberia. And what I found really interesting about her book and work is that this book documents the professionalization of medicine, which we'll be talking a lot about, which is a time in Iberia when women and men that had typically been practicing medical techniques and healing practices were suddenly required to attend university study and licensing boards were formed. This was during the 14th and 16th centuries, and it was a systematic way to exclude and marginalize women from their normative roles as midwives and healers. And instead, in literature and in Culture. They became targeted, targeted as syphilis-bearing whores and witches that later they were targeted as mentally ill in England. So Professor Dangler translates three 15th and 16th century texts for us by Roig, Roja, and Delicado to show us this progression during the late medieval and early modern times in Iberia. Welcome, Jean.
0: Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's such an honor and pleasure for you to be my guest. How are you today?
0: Oh, I'm doing very well, thanks. Yeah, it's, I'm really excited to talk about my work and some of these topics. They're they're really important. They
1: are important. And where would you like to start us?
0: Well, um, let me see. I, I I I wanted to just mention that you know my book. I'm not a historian, um, but the the book is. Um, a, a, a literary study, but it's based on, uh, it, it tries to make a link between some of the things that were going on in the history of the 15th, especially that, well, from the about the late 14th through 16th centuries, and uh, so what was going on in the history of the time in um, Iberia, or what is now Spain and Portugal, um, and uh, three literary works from the 15th and 16th centuries. So it, it tries to link Literature and history, I'm um, um, just just to make that clear,
1: yeah, so during that time, the fourteenth to sixteenth centuries, from what I learned in your book, there was this um through Western Europe, there was an attempt to elevate medicine and men physicians, and women began to be excluded and restricted. I don't know if this is where you want to start us, but it's one of the things that I noticed in reading your sure. work. Sure
0: yeah and that's where that's that's really where the the historical part of of this begins um you know women were um up until you know the 14th century um tr- traditional we think the ma- the majority of traditional healers in society and um uh, so they were they were there was there was a, a a gamut of of different kinds of healers that people had to choose from. Um, There were physicians, but women often practiced um, in a a fairly um, uh, kind of non-professional way. Um, They uh, often were not university educated, but they were still highly respected and highly trained. Most people were trained by... uh, family members or others who, who perform the same professions who operate in the same professions. And, and, and so often women and many men learn their trade just by, by doing them and, and by being apprentices and so on. Um, but so it, starting most in the 15th or sorry, in the late 14th century and then into the 15th century, um, uh, there were these there were several ways that um, um iberian society um, uh, or really royal and ecclesiastical um authorities began to try to marginalize women and Muslims and jews from from traditional practice so for example um there were uh, the creation of licensing boards who were, uh, you know, several people would be on on this committee and they would be expected, sort of like the AMA today, I guess, um, but, mm-hmm. you know, they would be expected to... Um, either license you know licensed practitioners um, in this case you know men physicians university trained men physicians um, there were also laws enacted um, against certain practitioners in different municipalities and so on so there were there were a number of ways that women and others were increasingly marginalized from these traditional practices um, yeah go ahead
1: yeah I wanted to just note that what I found so interesting is that during during that time that women were multi vocational and many of them were dressmakers, shoemakers, or made perfume and then they also might have performed been midwives and healers and some of them working even with their husbands and when the husbands died, they would continue in that trade. Can you talk to us some about about that before? The marginalization, what yeah, life is like. Yeah,
0: we 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 think that's we think that's the case. I mean, it, sometimes it's very, it's really very difficult to know exactly, um, sort of the um, the the trajectory of you know how people live their lives, obviously, or or, or you know and, and 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 worked, but because women aren't often documented, there aren't um, there isn't a lot of documentation about women. Um, um we know a, a little bit from from some case studies uh his, kind of historical documents later in the in the medieval period but we know through by in in other ways through literature often um that that these women did exist and so for instance in one of the um the the books that i uh examine in my in my in my book. It's a fifteenth century fifteenth and sixteenth century work um called La La Celestina and it um in it the, the the one of the main characters, if not the main character, is a woman healer, but she's also she also has a lot of different other um professions. She's um what's known as a go between someone who um brings together um usually young noble people for amorous you know um uh, love relations mm-hmm. she she also functions in a sense as an herbalist um she is is sought out for for um Uh, remedies. um, She sells thread. She, anyway, she, she, she has a number of different occupations. Some of them in, in the book, the, I I do what I'm, what I'm trying to show in the book is that some works of literature at that time um, were written with very negative um, uh, portrayals of these, of these women. And, and so, you know, Celestina, this woman from the 15th and 16th century, um, can be read in a... In a she's, she has a pretty powerful role in society, but she's also um, characterized as a prostitute. She basically brings down an entire kind of you know family of people. Um, I mean, people... Um, you know, it, it doesn't end well for the people that she works for right. um, who hire her. So it, it's... It, you know there there are these ways that that the portrayal of of these kind of multivocational women becomes very negative um, during this period of professionalization of medicine. So um, that's 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 really one of the main points that I'm trying to make in, in the book, and is that literature, at least in these three cases, um, has I think a very sort of complicit role with this. Um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, I mean, in the case of Palestine, I've actually kind of cha- changed my view or modified my view of that work a little bit. I mean, I, 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 I it's 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 a very complicated book, and and, and so um, you know, I, I do think that one of the ways that it or one of the effects that it that it had was that it kind of showed people the dangers of Of going to you know, seeking out a woman such as Celestina for a remedy mm-hmm.
1: you know when when I was reading your book, I was reminded of the propaganda even during Nazi Germany and Hitler coming into power and the propaganda about Jews being different and less than and even physical ways. And you talk about in your work the medieval formulation of, of the body and physiognomy mm-hmm. and even how female physical traits were were interpreted as negative, like deep-set eyes of a woman, would mean that she is deceptive and not to be trusted, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. this whole propaganda in in the literature, like you're saying, just to re- really negatively slate women and begin this whole very insidious movement to mm-hmm. disempower them mm-hmm. from the roles yeah. that they had held in in different guilds that you wrote about, the medieval mm-hmm. guilds, and being midwives and doing things that were really naturally uh, theirs. Can you talk to us some about? about that like the physiognomy and physiological theory and such that you explore. yeah i
0: mean that was yeah that's a really interest super interesting part of, of of i think that that project is that you know um, it, it really is we really see that in literature and, and where you know people have certain traits that signify or that have a meaning that they mean a certain thing, um, you know, whether it be negative or positive. And, you know, that I, some of that obviously comes from you, you and many of your listeners, I'm sure know about humoral theory and, you know, the idea that, that bodies are, are consist of humors and that really illness is caused by an imbalance of the humors and that sort of, um, cures are are sought. Or uh, the way that that someone is cured is when the humors are are put back in place into their correct balance um, in in a person's body. And then the physical traits are also really common. You know, at that time, and and it's it's when you know it, it, we really we see this link between the physiognomy of, of of medicine or of medieval medicine, and then just a sort of almost. Cultural um, um, uh, tendency to to start to point to people and say, "Well, that person looks that way, so he or she is that way." You know, so that it's it's really at, at this point that we start seeing the rise of, um, I think, difference between people meet, being trying to be made in much more categorical ways than than in the past, and and so you know, the the physical traits in women. So for example, Celestina, just to st- stay on that example, yeah. this, this, this character in this book, she has a beard. Um, she, you know, she has a scar on her face. And so there are these ways that, that her body has, are are has the marks of they're like signs or, or marks that have a meaning that tell people, well, this person is this way or that way. And so, um, you know, in her case, I think those those sorts of characteristics are definitely meant to show what a negative figure she is and how how dangerous she can be. And I
1: think at the same time, which is why I imagine you chose in your title Mediating Fictions, that Celestina was highly sought after and very well respected at the same time for her abilities and, and such. So in, in the literature, she started being portrayed as this very an uh, attractive bearded woman but yet also was highly sought. Can you talk to us about uh, that kind of dichotomy?
0: Absolutely. It's it's really crucial um it, because it just it gets at the heart of of I think what's going on with the professionalization of medicine and sort of you know professionalization of different sectors of society at that at that time where you know, women, because they're traditional healers, they're often sought after more than men and men physicians. They're, they're, they're believed to be, they, they're just more effective. And so people, um, uh, believe in their, in their remedies and their, and their, um, their interventions more than they do others. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that, you know that kind of you know in, in Celestina and and in some of these other works you you really it, it, the characters seek her out the the characters the the other characters involved go to her for help and and i think that you know what these texts do is is that they 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 will they they they, they discourage Readers and listeners from seeking those the, the people who look like that or who, who resemble these these literary characters. They discourage them from seeking out, you know, people who, who resemble them in their in their society in their own society. So, um, you know, that that desire or that that belief that this person is actually the most effective healer uh, in my town, you know, it's, it's, it was real. I mean, we do, we do know that, you know, women, you know, as I said before, I mean, that women constituted the majority of healers in, in, um, in society and, and, you know, and they often were believed to be highly successful. So, you know, the professionalization of medicine comes along to, you know, to, in part, um, you know, uh, change the change the dynamics between uh, of of who can be who who's authorized to be a healer, and and you know who we should believe in, who who we should trust.
1: This Valentine's Day, Duncan's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte, or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Duncan refresher with a Cupid's choice donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Duncan. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. So I have a statement and then and then a question for you. I thought it was interesting as you laid out the professionalization of medicine and how there were four major developments that happened. That university mm-hmm. study was required. There were laws enacted to regulate medical practice. Uh, right. There were licensing boards. And then the rise of hospitals and clinics. And women weren't mm-hmm. allowed legally to participate of, in any of those. And you know, then there starts to be this, in my words, kind of demonization of women and they're, if they're herbalists, they're, they're witches and just the role of the church at this point too. Can you talk to us some about, about that?
0: Yeah. um, uh, Yeah. Let's see. It's, um, you know, it, it, the, let's see. So where to begin on this? (laughs) It's a big, it's a big topic. Take your Um, time. Yeah. So, you know um, sort of the the negative portrayal of women is often linked in the middle ages to to the figure of eve i mean in at least in in sort of Christian we should say you know kind of christian the Christian world view um, so at this time, late fourteenth the the text I'm dealing with, the works I'm dealing with, um, you know um, christianity is is really. Aiming to dominate um, mm-hmm. in in Iberia, you know after after um, sort of three different religious communities and and better said cultural communities, you know live together. Um, uh, you know throughout the middle ages um, in in iberia and and so you know a lot of a lot of things start to shift in the fourteenth century to 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 change that that dynamic between those those different faith communities um, but but so we're when in my book we're we're sort of at the tail end of that late fourteenth and especially late fifteenth and then sixteenth centuries and and by that time Christianity does dominate um and and so, in this sort of worldview, um, you know, Eve is often the sort of the, the obviously the first um, sinful woman, and she brings. And, and so, in the in the Christian worldview, Eve, you know, brings down humanity, but especially women. But then, on the other hand, um, and we see this in 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 literature in, in the Middle Ages. Um, uh, Eve also has a contrasting woman figure in the figure of Mary, the Virgin mm-hmm. Mary, and so, um, so that we in in Spanish we use this sort of dual name for for women, or a, I, I should say a sort of dual way that women um, uh, are thought to be characterized. So there, it's it's Eva Ave. Eva is like the name Eve, and Ave uh there are two words just spelled they you can spell them they're spelled backwards or you can spell each the the the, the opposite way in spanish yeah and yeah. so and eva ave so so women are thought to sort of um embody these two principles the the sinful woman and the woman the redemp- the woman who can be redeemed mm. And and, mm-hmm. and and so um you know i i don't know i mean um yeah definitely i don't know if i would characterize the. I, I wouldn't characterize the professionalization of of medicine as the demonization of women but but definitely it 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 had it, it, it you know we i mean we know of laws that clearly stated that women should not practice or that they would they should only practice as midwives for example um so it you know there were there are these ways that women were no longer um Authorized to practice in in their traditional roles, um, you know the yeah the the other part of that is the the creation of the Inquisition in the in which happens which really is not a medieval it's not a medieval phenomenon in the, on the Iberian Peninsula it's it's really a, a very late fifteenth um, and and sixteenth century phenomenon and and that often the the inquisitional or inquisitorial boards are made up of lawyers and they are seeking out heretics, but um, so women do kind of fall, begin to be um, identified and associated with heretical sort of anti-Christian practices. So for example, just to go back to this example, uh, the example of, the Celestina yeah. Celestina is a figure who, who is definitely uh, associated with the devil. I mean, she's, she, we, we see her in one scene where she's basically, you know, casting a spell, you know, conjuring a spell so that she can um, uh, basically seduce a woman for uh, this man who, who wants to, um, um, uh, be her lover and so there's a definite link in that work between uh celestina this multivocational healer um go-between and her work linked to the devil so so it, it's very it's very real in the literature we definitely we definitely see it in in the literature and that's i i think really a change um from the way that that um, women go betweens women mediators are um, depicted in literature prior to this time so it is it's definitely an important an important shift
1: well and and I read as well that women healers were tried for civil disobedience in paris and punished publicly in mm-hmm. say the church doorways standing mm-hmm. there without without shoes without clothing mm-hmm. so definitely the mm-hmm. humiliation just how humiliating that was definitely would be publicly
0: definitely yeah i mean that did go on i think sometimes in i think sometimes it, there's we we do find cases of that I, there has been uh, i'm not completely familiar with the with the um the history of, of that exactly but i i do know that you know sometimes i think some of the numbers of of women or sort of you know the idea that that all the inquisition did was uh, seek out witches and and kind of identify women with witchcraft and so on and and there was a good deal of that although it wasn't it it, it wasn't as sort of dominant from what i know as Sort of what's still often popularly believed, but okay. definitely the public humiliation. I mean, those those ki- references to that kind of public humiliation are made also in in the literature in the Celestina, the, the, the literature that I'm that I'm um, examining in my book. And so we we do think that I mean the, that those forms of public humiliation were were very real, um, without a doubt.
1: And then the other, the third a book that you translated La Lozana talking about Mm. syphilis appearing in Western Europe Mm. in the 1490s and La Lozana Mm. um, being this described as having no nose, her face kind of eaten away by syphilis, Mm -hmm. but yet was also desirable and very seductive and, and again, Mm -hmm. kind of like a mediating opposites. Do you want to talk some about, about that work and influence in your book?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah just to just to clarify too I didn't really translate these 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 books I mean they my work is is I'm working with with the Spanish text you know and and in the case of the, the first book that I dealt with or that I um, examined it was um, I, it's in it's in Catalan um, okay. so so yeah I didn't translate them per se but you know I'm just trying to um, in, investigate or, or examine certain um, uh, certain ways that they um, um, kind of confirm you know what i 'm what i what I also saw happening in in the history or the ways that they link up with what 's going on with the historical record in in society um, sure but yeah but uh, so the the last work is a written a little bit later, and it takes up a, a figure of a woman who moves from southern Spain, Seville, the city of Seville, to, to Rome um, and to uh, other – uh, there are references to other parts of Italy as well. And, and, and that, that – the, the, the illness that's sort of forefronted in that work is what we would call today syphilis. It's really called – it's called bubas. B-U-B-A-S in, in the text. But, um, and I I probably, um, if I were sort of revising my book, I probably, the book was written in 2001, but if I were revising it, I would probably have tried to avoid more using the term syphilis just because it's sort of more of, it's a much much more modern um, idea of this, of this illness. You know, it was, we, it's just called different things in its own time. Sure. So, but, but it, but it is, it, it, it really kind of does a very similar thing as Celestina. I mean, it's, it's, it, it depicts this, this woman as desirous, uh, and desirable, I should say, but, uh, at the same time, there are these characteristics, things about her that she's also, that also, that also indicate that she's diseased. And so it kind of, Gets back to the the very you know points that we've been making today about um, the the effect of the the professionalization of medicine and and also you know this kind of link to women as um, if not demons at least um, uh, sinful sinful people
1: right syphilis being a, a sexually transmitted disease that exactly it was a sin. Yeah, even exactly. though there were brothels and male brothel owners that women used to manage brothels, but they even got pushed out from that and marginalized as well. So that, and again, I think that double standard in our culture still that a man, if he has a lot of sex, is just being a man, but a woman's a whore. And so those themes, even back then.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, yeah, without a doubt. Um, um, you know that um, kind of this hypocrisy, I guess, if you will, of you know, sort of society, and and yet, you know, here, you know. Anyway, yeah. I mean, it's just sort of played out. I think in that, in that, in this literature.
1: And and it reminded me, which I, I think you might have even referenced in your book, much like AIDS was used to stigmatize gay men, the poor, and IV drug users early on, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. the disease you call boobah, which is now syphilis,
0: Uh
1: used as well back then. I just remember some of your passages talking about even the men that would visit La like they couldn't stay away from her even though uh-huh. she was portrayed as being so unattractive and this mm-hmm. just horrible sinful disease-filled woman mm-hmm. but then somehow mm-hmm. for them it was them being virile and and manly mm-hmm. and pleasurable like sex could be pleasurable mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. so just mm-hmm. that you know kind of how those themes we still deal with in our modern times
0: yeah very definitely yeah without a doubt i mean it's you know and and even going and then going back um, kind of to to early parts of this book um, you know I think it seems like every age has its sort of either sexual or love related disease and so in the middle ages um, the the disease of love sickness really dominated and so the idea that love sickness was a disease that afflicted usually sort of more uh, higher class uh, uh, noble people, uh, especially men, but the the idea being that um, sort of excessive meditation on the woman beloved would cause this person to become ill, and um, and so, for example, in Palestina, that's the very illness that she, uh, Celestina is sought to um, to cure in one of the, in the male, the main male character. But so as sort of his, time moves on, um, the the emergence of boobas becomes sort of, I th- well, you know, we could just kind of interpret or see it as sort of taking the place of that in a way. I mean, it, it just mm. becomes the a, a disease of the time that's affiliated or, or I should say uh, associated with um, sort of sex, love, and um, it becomes much more sexual in nature. Yes. Love and, sickness and, was really more like a, a mental sort of meditation. It was uh, rather, than, rather than sexual. So it's just kind of right. interesting how things, how things shift.
1: And I think the prescription at that time, if I remember correctly, was distraction, trying to distract the person from their love object and their
0: thoughts and that oh, under the role in, of messenger mm-hmm.
1: healers for love sickness.
0: Yes, is that, exactly. Is
1: that
0: accurate? That, that is, yeah, that is accurate, accurate. So the idea being that, you know, one of the best ways to heal someone of love sickness was to distract that person. So, you know, you could... Um, and it's we see this in Celestina where people talk about the beloved in a very negative way oh she's she's very ugly she's hideous uh she wets her bed you know whatever it may be and so there you know there are all these ways that um uh, healers are um supposed to distract the 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 um the the afflicted person and try to dissuade that person from this excessive meditation, excessive thought on the beloved. So, yeah, that is that is one of the key ways that love sickness was thought to um, uh, be healed. But and and Celestina does the exact opposite. She brings the lovers together. So that's sort of the other indication that she's you know completely you know very dangerous.
1: You know, and what I noticed too, Jean, is I think the that still exists today in even modern psychology, that if someone's upset about something, grieving the loss of a, of a relationship even, to let's mm-hmm. just jump into another one or let's go have mm-hmm. sex with someone else. Let's like mm-hmm. not deal with our feelings and move through them, but let's distract by something mm-hmm. else more exciting. And it was just interesting to me that that was happening back then in this medieval and early modern time, you know, mm-hmm. that... The prescription was to let's distract, and then Celestina came along and was had a different approach to really let's deal with this and bring the you know person together with their pain, which I think you know in some ways we really have to go through our wounds to heal them instead of covering them up or running away from them.
0: Huh. Well, um, that's yeah. That's an interesting. That's an interesting insight, Lisa. Um, I, I and, guess I would say and. <laughs> In the in the in in Celestina it's um, you know there's there's really nothing good about her bringing these lovers together um, it really brings about the demise their own demise their demise and the demise of other other characters in the in the work you know in the in the um, in the book so it's I mean from your perspective from our perspective today you know we 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 might see that as positive, bringing people together, having to go through the pain afterwards. But in, in this book, it it was so, completely, right. it was an absolute disaster. And so, you know, I mean, who's at fault is really Celestina because she's mm-hmm. the person who, who brings them together. Um, but, th- but I think that's a really interesting um, insight and sort of, Link to the present. I'm not. I'm not sure what to do with it, but I. But it's, a, no, it's an it's, interesting contrast.
1: No, and I appreciate what you're sharing because even before we came on uh, live, I was telling you how I, I so enjoyed your book. And in, in some ways, uh-huh. it was like I was intimidated by it first because it, it's uh-huh. so. Rich and, and historical context, and not being a Spanish speaker, I, I knew I was going to miss some points. And, and I said, Please correct yeah. me. So I appreciate that you just did because here I am, just yeah. a survey of your book, as opposed to you taking these years of study and research. So I appreciate you letting our listeners know that in, at her, during her time, the bringing together of lovers was disastrous. <laughs> and, and, well, at least. Healing.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean at least in, in that context it is you know in, in the in the world of Felestina and in the world of the, the 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 writers the the people who put that book together um it it really is it was a disaster um and it was and it was not part of the 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 medical advice either i mean usually usually you know for for many illnesses um um what what's kind of interesting, too, that a little sort of topic we haven't talked about that's that's really interesting as as far as traditional women healers goes is that traditional women healers practice, often practiced the same sort of sorts of remedies. They all ha- often had the same sorts of remedies that physicians, university trained physicians had as well. I mean, so everyone was sort of, remedies often usually consisted in, in the Middle Ages of of herbs and sort of putting herbs together in, in a particular way and so on. Um, So yeah, it's, it's so women, women become, you know, one of the ways that they are, that they're marginalized and sort of denigrated is make, by making, we've we've already talked about associating them with kind of the devil and that, but also um, trying to, drive a wedge between some of the things that they do and some of the remedi- and remedies of university trained authorized you know uh, men practitioners so it's um, yeah i think I, I think i've gone off a little on a different topic but anyway gonna... that i i just thought it was an important it's an important point
1: yeah, you know, Gene. I was curious too that you wrote this book in in two thousand one. Is that when you were uh-huh. at UC San Diego? Uh,
0: no, no. I I got my uh, I got my my bachelor's my BA at UC San Diego in nineteen eighty. I finished in eighty three, and actually went through the graduation in eighty four. So, a long, long time ago. No, this is this was. I got my PhD and and wrote that at Emory um, and wrote the book yeah at Emory and then um the the book is derived from from my dissertation but um by I, by that point at in 2001 I was at Florida State University right now I work at Tulane University but um uh so at that point I was at at Florida State
1: well, I was curious about your personal process in writing this book. I had so many aha moments, and before mm-hmm. coming on the air, we spoke briefly about just the in- invisibility, so to speak, of women's history yeah. and just wondering kind of more about how you, this is your wheelhouse and this is what's important for you a- as a person to disseminate and, and share about. Could you just talk to us about some of that
0: experience? Absolutely. Yeah. It, well, you know, I've I just always been drawn to uh, – you know um literature that has to has that has to do with women and um women's history and so on and and you know I was really struck by there aren't there aren't a, a lot of depictions of women even there in um medieval iberian literature and um i mean uh, you know women often don't have a voice in literature in the middle ages it's just often very difficult to 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 get at you know how how women lived um, but uh, so I just started thinking about the the these figures of these these mediators who are you know relatively um, prominent in different works of literature. Um, the virgin, for example is is definitely considered a mediator, and there are you know many um, Poems. We have a long history in in uh, on the Iberian pen, Peninsula of poems, uh, miracles having to do with the the Virgin. That I, I think she certainly represents a sort of spiritual mediator who's extremely powerful and um, is sort of the 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 other side of the the other face of the the Eve, Eve right, that you were sort of, of. of duality. Yeah. Um, so I just started thinking about all of these different women mediators in um, medieval literature, and you know how how different the depiction their depictions are in these later medieval, sort of more early modern, sixteenth century texts. And so that's kind kind of how I came about. Um, Doing this project, the my advisor, the um, the person I worked with, Michael Solomon, who's now um, at the University of Pennsylvania, but he, you know, he had worked a lot in um, the history of medicine and literature in medicine and so on, and so he helped me sort of think about, you know, the the medical uh, healing aspects of, you know, what was going on um, in this literature and at the time. So that's how this project started.
1: It's just so interesting and so deep and rich. And and that's why I stumble because I'm like, wow, there's so much here. Uh, It's hard to (laughs) know everything at just reading one of your books. But I love your research and your work. And I think it's such a valuable
0: contribution to our culture. Well, thanks. Yeah, you know, I always always start my classes with – Sort of, an especially with undergraduates you know asking them what they know about the middle ages and what they th- you know how they think about the middle ages and so on and and if it's if we're we're you know working in a class we have you know literature about women what what they know about women and so on and it's just you know people many people especially young people I work with you just kind of think about the past um in terms of stereotypes you mm-hmm. know and so it's often you know, really, a challenge to um, sort of um, you know bring bring the, my students and uh, people you know around to seeing that women actually really do have a history. They're not completely invisible. Um, right. You know, it's and and so and that women were always doing things. I mean, I think one of the ways that that you know people think about the past and and women's history is that women were all, you know, people have the stereotype that women were sort of shut up in houses and, um, you know, didn't do anything, took care of children and um, made meals and, you know, so on and so forth. So, but it was just the opposite, you know, Um, women, it seems um, from many different walks of life or, or different walks of life were definite participants in society and um, you know so that's part of what my book I th- why the importance of my book too and of, of some of the the research that others have done um, in, on similar topics is that you know women women have always been um, visible in society it's just that for some reason that <laughs> we have a difficult time um, sort of in more of a, at a more popular level of knowing that yes so
1: So since this book you've published two other books what what's Mm -hmm. next for you in your in your work
0: well i'm actually at this point i really think i'm going to be um returning to um uh one of the, the the first book that we really didn't spend a lot of time talking about today but i'm trying to work on i've been working on for for a while now looking at the relationship between the the first book and that I the literary text that I analyzed in, in this book by Roy Roy, you yes. write? And um, it's called The Mirror. And um, looking at the relationship between that work, which is a very misogynist work, and a, a later fifteenth-century work in Catalan that's by a woman abbess from the same city of Valencia where Roy um, lived. And sort of, we, we think that her, her book, which is called a a Vita Christi or a life of Christ. We think that her book is actually um, a kind of proto-feminist or, um, you know, er, pro-women response to misogyny in um, Reuters spiel. And so, or or espejo mirror. And so, um, you know, I've, I've just, really grown increasingly interested in, in the relationship with those, between those texts. And so that's one of the projects that I'm working on and that I'm going to continue to work on um, in the next couple of, couple of years. That's so interesting to me.
1: I can't wait to hear more about it. Is that what you'll be well, studying thanks. in Spain this summer as well? When you, I know you um, go to Spain each summer to to research.
0: That, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I am going to be uh, doing some um, continuing research on that project this summer briefly. So I'm, I'm real excited about that. And I mm, hopefully have a sabbatical, not next year, but the year thereafter. And I'll be yeah. you know, spending a lot more concentrated time working on that project as well.
1: And, and lastly, if listeners wanted to reach out to you about your work, what would be the best way for them to do that?
0: Well, I, you know, I'm completely accessible via email. Um, do you want me to give that address, or yeah, is that absolutely okay? It's yeah. My email is my first initial J, and then just J Dangler, so J D A N G L E R at Tulane, T U L A N E dot edu. Um, I also have a sort of faculty profile on the my department's website, and I think you have that link. I think yes. you have a link to that, don't you, Lisa? That so, link will be um,
1: posted on LA Talk Radio, attached mm-hmm. to this show. So listeners, you can reach out to Jean that way as well. That's
0: right, and I think my phone number is on there as well. So, um, so yeah, either either way, that would be it. Would be great to hear from people.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate you being my guest today. Is there any anything else that you want to speak of before we conclude?
0: I don't think so. I've I've really enjoyed it, Lisa, and, and thank you very much for having me. I know I'm sort of an outlier. I I guess I'm not I'm not a healer. I'm not um I'm not you know I'm not a therapist. You're a teacher. Like You're a teacher. I am a, you thank you. Well, very such nice. An important role. Yeah,
1: Thank I think you. in yeah. the lineage of of women healers and teachers mm-hmm. and such that certainly we are in that
0: lineage. Oh, and that's doing... that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and and you know, just I was just so excited to to be able to talk about you know some of the the ways that I think different ways that we can think about women in the past. Yes, so I appreciate it a lot. You're so welcome. Thank you, and have
1: a really awesome rest of your day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jean. Bye. That concludes our show for today. Please listen in next week as I bring you another episode, and I hope everyone has a really good week. Bye-bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.